going on, Fourth and Inches Podcast listeners? You got Kevin Stevie P coming at you. What's going on, Steve? And you, what's going on? All right, so today's podcast, uh, obviously Dan's still on vacation. So today's podcast, we are going to get into uh, the news. We are going to talk out about uh, some breakout candidates this year, and we are going to get into some quarterback wide receiver combinations that you can kind of, you know, use to double dip, you know, in your scoring column. Uh, but first, don't forget to check us out on our website at www.fourthandinchesff.com. That's www.thenumber4thinchesff.com for a bunch of content. You got articles, blogs, player profiles, and you can subscribe to our draft guide, which features a decision maker, which is a tiered out guideline for three different styles of drafting. You got one for your risky drafter, your conservative drafter, and you got the tweener, which is basically a mix of both. The draft guide also features the cheat codes, which is a visual breakdown of every team's stats from last year. It's a great tool to prepare for your drafts, and it's the same tool we use to give you information on the podcast. So check that out, and also look for us on the Fantasy Life app. We'll be doing start-sick questions throughout the year, and we are looking into doing a keeper question segment on there as well. And if you're listening, make sure you hit that uh, subscribe button and give us a five-star rating. Yeah. All right. So we're going to read the news. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. All right. The athletic Jay Glazer reports the Vikings can't stop raving about third round running back Alexander Madison. The Lions signed defensive tackle Damian Harris, Snacks Harris to most to use, uh, to a one-year $11 million extension. The Cardinals released wide receiver Kevin White. When asked if Vance McDonald will see increased playtime in 2019, Steelers OC Randy Finchner replied, He won't. He's never going to play the full game. He's ne- it's not going to happen. So uh, there you go with that. NFL Network's Ian Rappaport reports Melvin Gordon's holdout is expected to continue into the season. The Athletics' Vincent Bonzignor, I guess, expects Darrell Henderson to sign to handle 9 to 12 touches per game as a rookie. We're going to definitely talk about that. Darren Waller continues to impress coaches and teammates at Raiders camp. Yeah, he does look very good. NBC Sports uh, Northwest's Joe Fan believes Richard Penny is falling further behind Chris Carson this preseason. Well, if you haven't watched preseason, you wouldn't know that, but he definitely has. Matt Nagy admitted he probably gave Tariq Cohen a little bit too much work last season. Mm, I don't think so, but... <laughs> uh, the Dolphins signed wide receiver Jakeem Grant for a four-year extension through 2013 or 2023. Uh... ESPN's Jenna Lane reports Ronald Jones has been dealing with swelling in his knee. Yeah, that, that's that, what it is. Yeah, swelling <laughs> in his. <laughs> that's why he sucks so bad. <laughs> the Athletics Nate Taylor again left Carlos Hyde off his 53-man roster projection. There you go. Dante Pettis and Marquise Goodwin played all 11 snaps with the first-team offense in Monday night's. Monday night's second preseason game against the Broncos. 
Speaking Tuesday, 49ers GM John Lynch said Jimmy Garoppolo's recovery from his torn ACL was flawless, or has been flawless. Chargers sign wide receiver Dontrell Inman. That could that could be actually be something we need to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, NFL Ian Rappaport reports Antonio Brown's latest appeal with his helmet saga will be heard on Friday. Noah Fant suffered a mild ankle sprain Monday nights in Monday night's preseason game. The Patriots activated wide receiver Demarius Thomas, Achilles from the pup list. Uh, Cowboys sign linebacker Jalen Smith to a contract extension. That should make Zeke super happy. Antonio Brown's helmet returned to Raiders practice on Tuesday. Speaking Tuesday, Amari Cooper downplayed his plantar fasciitis issue. NFL Ian Rappaport reports Drew Locke suffered a bad thumb sprain on Monday's preseason game, but does not require surgery. Ian Rappaport reports the Cardinals wide receiver Hakeem Butler could be placed on injured reserve with a broken finger. Andrew Luck will not participate, will not practice this week. Duke Johnson hamstring returned to practice on Tuesday. Emmanuel Sanders' Achilles felt amazing after playing on Monday's night preseason game. That is definitely something we're going to talk about because we're geniuses. <laughs> mm. John Harbaugh said Marquise Brown's foot has a ways to go. Jimmy Garoppolo completed one of six passes for zero yeah, yards. I think this is where we uh, stopped. Okay. So, this is where we stopped the other day. Yes, it is because it's starting to say Monday. All right, so yeah. we read this stuff. So – what do you want to talk about, Kev? What are we going to start off? Because there's three things I definitely want to hit on. All right. I do want to – let's touch on Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, yes. I love Emmanuel Sanders. Oh, um, yes. You know, I wasn't sure about him coming into this year, um, mainly because he was coming off a torn Achilles, which is, to me, a little bit worse than a torn ACL, especially for a receiver when you got to, you know, use – you know, you're basically using your feet to get open and – uh I'm really surprised at how good he looked in Monday's preseason game. He had, you know, a few really nice catches. And, you know, if this guy is going to be the number one wide receiver and has he's shown that he can be a number one wide receiver. He was their number one wide receiver last year and did a damn good job of doing and had, you know, damn good job of doing it. So if you're getting him in the tenth, ninth round, which is where he's being projected to go right now, I think that's a steal. Yeah, his his ADP is going to is going to increase. There's no doubt about it. Of course. After, yeah, after the way he looked the other day, his ADP is going up. But it makes me super happy that he looked so good because I have been toting this dude, and Kevin said, yes, if he's healthy, he's definitely going to be the, the guy. And we look like geniuses because I just from everything that was coming out of camp all you know all along, they were saying that you know he's running, he's doing this, and then they put that video out of him running. And to me, you know, people were saying, oh, you know, he was just running in a straight line. But, hey, he looked like he was very comfortable, you know, when he ran in that video on that he put on Instagram. So, to me, I lo- like Kev, I love Emmanuel Sanders. You know, I think he'll probably move into maybe like the end of the seventh round to the middle of the eighth, depending on, you know, just how people you know how comfortable people are i think people will be a little bit nervous because achilles is an injury that normally takes a lot longer to come back from but i don't give a damn did you see that end around bro like (laughs) my man ran like there was nothing wrong with him and then on that 45 yard you know catch that they they took back he looked he got downfield quick like the cornerback didn't even 
the quarterback was the cornerback was like ten feet, ten yards away from him. Like he was way out there. He had to wait for Flacco to throw him the ball. Like he he slowed down to catch it. So you know, to me, Emmanuel Sanders, you know, I'm really excited that he is you know healthy and he's going to play this season. He is definitely a guy that you know I would love to have as my wide receiver three, and uh, you know, and have him on my team. He's definitely a guy that I drafted a lot this off season. And, you know, in mock drafts and everything. So, you know, happy that he's back. Yep. All right. So. Anything else? You said there was three things. What are the other two? The other one was Darren Waller, because uh, if you guys are Hard Knocks fans, Darren Waller has looked very good. Uh, You know, and everybody in camp. It's not just Darren Waller, you know, John Gruden toting him up. It is everybody in camp is saying, this dude is unguardable. We're having trouble guarding him. He's getting open. In that preseason game, he was overthrown by uh, – what is that dude's name? Uh, Mike Glennon in the back of the end zone on, a, on a, a little crosser. And I'll tell you what, he was wide open. There was nobody near him. I mean, had he not been overthrown, he would have caught a touchdown in that game. I do think they're going to use this kid. You know what I mean? And if you can get him as a later tight end, if you're – you know, if you wait on tight end – you take him late with, you know, somebody else like a maybe, you know, I think I definitely think Vance McDonald's going to be dropping after that news that we're, we're hearing. But, you know, if you can get him and pair him with, a you know, Vance McDonald's, you know, me and Kev told you that we don't really like Vance all that much. So if you could pair him with somebody like that later, later tight end, you know, he might end up panning out for you. He might he could be a top 12 guy. You know, what I mean, if he's going to be used in that offense and you saw how Derek Carr, t- you know, use the tight end last season. So that could be a guy that, that we're all drafting next year. Yeah, he's definitely going to be a good late-round flyer if you want to. Uh, and like you said, teaming him up with one of those veteran tight ends at the end, like whether it's a Vance McDonald, whether it's a Delaney Walker, whether it's, you know, Greg Olson, um, you know, I think that's a good strategy because if one of those guys gets hurt, one of those guys underperforms, you know, this guy looks like he's re- been really doing good. And like like you said, Steve, you know, Derek Carr literally, you know, made Jared Cook a monster last year. Now, last year they didn't have Antonio Brown, and that's a lot of targets that are going to go his way. But, you know, I still think Waller could be extra productive in this offense. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And then the third thing that, I that you know, hit me was uh, the athletics. Vincent, whatever the hell the guy's name is, expects Darrell Henderson to handle 9 to 12 touches per game. Uh, if you read further into that, I actually do want to read that to you guys because I think people just see the – I think some people just look at, you know, the headlines. Yeah, the headlines and then they don't read. So what it actually says is, also suggests Henderson is competing for a change of pace role with sophomore John Kelly, who has also been working with Blake Bortles' group this preseason. Like Henderson, Henderson has shown little as a runner in the preseason – in preseason action – uh, but the Rams also have been using their top-notch offense. Haven't been using their top-notch offensive line, which we told you guys they lost two of their interior linemen. So you know, I don't know about top-notch. Um, Todd Gurley has looked fabulous and healthy all summer. Gurley is still going to be the unquestioned lead back, but how the Rams split the backfield is a question that has yet to been answered and likely won't be until Week One when the games start to count. This is a fascinating group to track, and we haven't even mentioned Malcolm Brown yet. So we talked about it the other day, Kev. You know, Malcolm Brown was not even given a touch in that game. To me, 
you know, in Sean McVay's offense, it is very simple, guys. If he doesn't play you in the preseason, he finds you too valuable to lose. Period. That's it. Like, there's there's no further explanation that needs to be given. If he doesn't play you in the preseason, you can look back the past two seasons before this preseason. He doesn't play his starters. He doesn't play guys that he deems valuable. Period. That's offensive line. That's, you know, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, defensive players. He doesn't play any of them. They don't get snaps in the preseason games. You know what I mean? They worry about the practices and all that stuff. So, you know, to me, Brown not playing the other day was a, a significant, you know, marker for me. Absolutely. And, you know, we said this the other day. And to me, like, I think expecting Daryl Henderson to get nine to 12 touches when he's competing for a role is, you know, really just I mean, you're you're going up basically giving him the high total there. I think nine is a very high total. And, you know, if he's competing for the John John Kelly, he may not even win the role. So, you know, people are drafting Henderson in like the ninth round and. There's not even a, there's not even a, uh, you know, a clear indication that this guy's going to be on the field that much. You know, I, you got to you got to take news as it comes. But like you said, if you read more in depth into that article, it clearly states like he's competing for the role to try to be kind of the, you know, change of base, maybe a change of pace, maybe a third down back. Uh, they were saying they're going to use him as Chris, like a Chris Thompson role. But you know, if this guy can't show you that he's able to run the football and he can't block and pass protect, which a lot of rookies struggle to do. I don't really see him getting on the field too much because all that's going to do is when he gets on the field, indicate that they're just passing the ball. So, you know, to me, you know, Darrell Henderson is not a guy that I'm even trying to draft. Yeah, no. Um, He's just and and even today, Kev. Uh, I wanted to mention this real quick because we normally do about twenty minutes in the news, and we still we're only at fourteen minutes, so we can go on a little bit. But I did a mock draft today, right? And he still went in the eighth round. Like I just don't get it. Like I, I, I to me, at this point, from what we know, right? Even if you know he's getting twelve nine to twelve touches, which we don't know. Because that's what a beat writer is telling you, you know, or not even a beat writer. He's like, dude, that wrote that article is from the athletic, which is a completely different entity than, than the team. He's just a dude that writes for, you know, the athletic, which is a, which is a website that, you know, talks about fantasy football. And he's saying that he thinks he's going to get nine to 12 touches. That has nothing to do with the team. That is not a beat writer even telling you that if a beat writer was telling you that, and they showed, said that, then I would be like, eh, maybe I could see that. But to me, I would be surprised if Daryl Henderson is seeing 8 to 10 touches, not 9 to 12. You know what I mean? And when he sees those touches, they're probably going to be Chris Thompson touches. You know, little scat back, you know, catches out of the backfield and maybe two or three rushes a game. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't see what everybody else sees. And I've been saying this for months. Like, I've been saying this since he got drafted. Right, Kev? We've both been saying, you know, what we're seeing on tape, what the kid is putting on tape is not is not a guy that's going to take over Todd Gurley's job. You know what I mean? Like, even if Todd Gurley gets hurt, I, we've been saying it. Like, he's just not going to take the job. And if that's the case, then I don't see how you feel, how people feel comfortable taking him in the eighth round. Like, I just don't get it. You might as well just – Honestly, you might as well take your your eighth round pick and 
throw throw it right in the trash. Because if he doesn't get nine to twelve touches, you're literally wasting that pick. Completely wasting that pick. And that like I said, it's not coming from a, a beat writer telling you that. Or a coach or yeah. anybody important. Yeah, and like you like I said, they they're saying they were gonna use him in the Chris Thompson role. Chris Thompson himself is going in like the thirteenth, fourteenth round. And I understand it's a better offense, but you know, you're taking Daryl Henderson in the same area that say Jordan Howard is going and Jordan Howard has a touchdown upside of every game. He's this guy could get in the end zone. Every game Jordan Howard could potentially get into the end zone in that Eagles offense. And you're matching him with a guy who is getting what nine touches we're talking about here. I just don't even think it's a comparison. You guys are wasting your time with the, with the eighth round to Daryl Henderson pick. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I will just mention that, the more this Melvin Gordon stuff that comes out, the more and more you just have to drop him yeah. down in your ranks. I agree. You know, now they're saying it's almost definitely going into the season. You know, if, if you know, to me, Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler showed last year that they can be a reliable, you know, stable. Um, they're obviously not as good as Melvin Gordon is, but you know. And the same honestly holds true in Dallas. Like, if these teams are winning without these guys, they're not going to pay them. <laughs> so, you know, you gotta really, you gotta really be careful with drafting, you know, Melvin and Zeke, because both of those guys, like, like I said, if their if their teams are winning without them, and, and the Cowboys especially, because the Cowboys' first three games are the Giants, the Dolphins, and the Redskins. Mm. Three games that, even though Zeke is their best player, they very well could win without Zeke. Yep. So, you know, that's a scary situation to draft Zeke because if that team's winning their first three, they, they're really going to give themselves no reason to pay Zeke or sign Zeke or, you know, give Zeke that extension. And they're already using money that, you know, other money that could be going to him. They're giving to Jalen Smith, who I think is a good linebacker. I'm, I'm not knocking yeah, Jalen yeah, Smith. I'm definitely oh. happy he got his money. Yeah, but – they definitely got to start. They got to take care of their best player because that whole train in Dallas runs through Ezekiel Elliott. But yeah, both both that whole situation you just got to pay attention to because the longer these guys go without contracts, the longer you might be from seeing them actually play football. So just you know be aware of that. Exactly. So I just want to give you guys a roundabout. Um, so in a couple of the listener leagues, I'm just going to – I took Melvin Gordon in a couple of the leagues. So if you look at the players that I took, you know, you have to do this. If you're going to take a Melvin Gordon or Ezekiel Elliott, you have to commit to going heavy running back, period. Because if you if those guys sit out, who knows, let's say six, four, six, eight games, who knows? Nobody can tell you. Anybody that says they definitely, definitely, you know – know when he's coming back is lying you know what i mean there's no there's no indication on when either one of them are coming back if either one of them are coming back and you know we'll have to go with it but you know like i took nick chubb chris carson uh lashawn mccoy kenyon drake and this is after i took you know this is when i took melvin gordon so you know for me i felt like you know melvin gordon is a great value when i have those running backs you know what i mean and i knew i was going to be taking more running backs you need to, you know, have at least two guys that you feel very comfortable with. And I was very comfortable with Nick Chubb and Chris Carson that I could wait on Gordon. 
You mean to when he comes back. But you have to know if that's going to be the case, you're going to be hurting somewhere. You mean whether it's tight end or it's quarterback or it's, you know, wide receiver, you're going to be hurting at a position that you probably may not feel comfortable hurting at, you know, especially if you are a person that, you know, really likes to have a lot of running backs or have like, you know, you want to be dominant at one position in a 12 team league. You're not going to be dominant at running back if Melvin Gordon sits out. You know, I mean, even with, you know, Nick Chubb and Carson, you know, my other guys are McCoy and Drake. And it was because they both fell crazy. I got McCoy in like the 13th round and Drake may not play and he might lose his starting job. (laughs) I mean, so my third running back could be hurting. You know what I mean? And you have to know that when you take those guys and you have to be comfortable with that. You know what I mean? My best advice to you would be if it gets to the point where they are going into the season and you hear any rumblings of, you know, this guy might, you know, might come back in. They're talking this, they're talking that either put up a trade for the guy or just sit on him because, you know, when you hear some positive news, if you feel like, okay, I'm a playoff team. If I get a piece, trade him. If you feel like I'm a championship team, if I keep them, then don't. You see what I mean? That's kind of what you have to weigh. And if you don't weigh that option, and when it comes to the point where they're missing games, you're you're going to be in trouble when it comes later on in the season. It's one of two choices. I'm a championship team without them, I mean with them, or I am a definite playoff team without them. And you have to make that choice. All right, so let's get into uh, the breakout players. Uh, so, you know, you want to go first with uh, one of your first, your breakout guys? Yeah, let me pull up player calculator. Uh, fantasy calcu- fantasy football calculator. Uh, I just want to give throw them some uh, some love because we use them for all of our ADPs, and they're a great website. So if you guys get a chance, you know, fantasyfootballcalculator.com. Great website, you know, check them out. So, um, for me, we're, we said that basically there's going to be guys after the fourth round, you know. Yeah. And, see, in the fourth round, I don't really see a huge breakout. The only one that I can really say is Kenny Galladay because Kenny Galladay was a top 24 guy last year. Um, I wanted to say Tyler Lockett. But Tyler Lockett was a top 12 guy last year, so he's not really a breakout if he finishes in the top 12. Like I've basically been saying all offseason, I think he's going to be a top 12 guy. So, you know, Tyler Lockett is the guy in the is really the only guy in the fourth round that I see that could break out this year. He, he, he could get into the top 12, you know, this season. And the reason I say that is because if you watch the guy play, he is a – He's a beast in the red zone, so I don't believe he's only going to have five touchdowns the way he did last year. I think that offense is going to be better. I think you know a healthy carry-on really opens that offense a lot, and Calvin, you know, and Kenny Galladay could be a, definitely a double-digit touchdown guy without a doubt in my mind. So you know, he's the one guy in the fourth round that I think. I really, really like Chris Godwin is another one, but I just I was gonna say yeah. Yeah. I was gonna come up with Godwin and Godwin, you know, we already saw him, you know, in the first preseason game. He was able to get into the end zone. Um, you know, it's kind of the same thing. If you're high on the Buccaneers offense like I am, you know, I, I think that, you know, this team offensively is going to really thrive in the passing game. They don't have a good running, you know, really a good running game that to rely on. Um, unless Peyton Barber suddenly, you know, gets some skill or Ronald Jones becomes, you know, what people thought he could be last year. 
But, uh, you know, plus their defense is not very good as well. So literally they're going to be high-scoring games where they're trying to either, you know, stay afloat or try to catch up. And, you know, when you have weapons like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and O.J. Howard, um, you know, Jameis has a lot to work with there. And now he's got a very solid coach. I was not a fan of uh, – Shoot, what was his coach before? Uh, was the guy from from the Falcons? Mm, uh, uh, yeah, Dirk Cutter. Cutter. No, Dirk Cutter. Cutter. Yeah, I was not. I'm not. A, I was not a fan of Dirk Cutter. Uh, I don't really think he was very imaginative in his offense. I think that he kind of just said, you know, go out there, throw it up, much like he does Julio. <laughs> but uh, you know, to me, he's got one of the best offensive gurus in the NFL, you know, ever. And it should be interesting to see how Bruce Arians, how, you know, Jameis is with Bruce Arians. And I think that is going to lead to a Chris Godwin breakout. Um, another guy I do see in the fourth. I don't really know if you can count him as a breakout, but I'm going to say Cooper Cup. Um, Cooper Cup, you know, to me, was on the verge of breaking out last year and, you know, tore his ACL. But this guy, from what we're hearing in camp, looks great. You know, he looks healthy. He's, you know, basically they're saying he's 100 percent. And. If this guy continues the pace that he was on last year, he will be a top 10 receiver. I mean, maybe top five receiver. That's the pace he was on last year. After um, five weeks, he was the number four receiver, I believe. You know, he, he was on pace for 16 touchdowns, an average of one of every game. So, to me, that's another guy that could really break out um, in the fourth round here. Yeah, definitely. Cooper Cup. I, we've been professing our love for Cooper Cup. We just love that dude. Um, I was super high on him last year. I know people thought I was crazy, but, you know, to me, I thought that offense, and this is the thing you have to do, guys. This is what I will tell you about fantasy football, and this this is tried and true. I've been playing fantasy football for almost 17 years, I think. Uh, I think it's 17 years. It's the year after we graduated, Kev, so whatever the hell that was. Well, I think it, yeah, so to me, when you look at Cooper Cup, he is just awesome. And he's on an awesome offense. So the best thing to do in fantasy football, when you get into the you know fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth round, you know guys that you're trying to get on as your starter, weigh what their offense looks like. You know, don't take dudes on bad offenses there that you think are going to be good. Take guys that you think are going to be good on good offenses because the likelihood of them scoring more touchdowns on good offenses is going to outweigh the the guy on a bad team that you think is going to break out. You know what I mean? Just handcuff yourself as much as you can to really good offenses. Last year, I was all over the Chiefs. I was all over the Rams. You know what I mean? I had a couple of, you know, I had like Joe Mixon and guys like that. But you want to put yourself with those teams. And Cooper Cup is on a great offense with a great offensive coach. You know, to me, Andy Reid, Sean McVay, um, let's see, uh, Sean Payton. Um, let's see, whoever they're you know, offensive minds, Bruce Arians, Arians, you know, Gary Kubiak in the running game, you know, um, there are specific coaches that you want to take players from those teams because they're, you know, they make productive players out of certain, you know, positions or just every position. I mean, those coach, those head coaches I just named are going to, you know, put offenses together that are going to produce fantasy points. And that's what you need to have to win. Even, I mean, uh, you, go ahead, Kev. It's funny you bring up Gary Kubiak because that's Gary Kubiak runs the Shanahan system. Yep. And we've been talking about Tevin Coleman, who is a fifth round pick. And, you know, he's never really broke out like that. And, but, 
you know, Gary Kubiak turned Arian Foster, who was an undrafted, you know, undrafted rookie free agent and made him, you know, a first round fantasy pick year in, year out. Exactly. And, you know, that's not it's not far fetched to think a guy like Tevin Coleman could wind up going in that same path. He actually runs to me a lot like Bruce Arian or um, Arian Foster, like, you know, has that one cut that you can get through the hole and take off. And that's what that's what it is. It's it's, you know, one cut system, bang, hit it and go. And yep. uh, you know, to me, like you said, guys like that 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 are you know, known for making certain positions and certain players break out, you know, that's what you want to kind of stick to. Definitely. Definitely. Especially, you know, in the in I I always say it like this. In the first 3 to 4 rounds, take the best players because those guys are all superstars. You know what I mean? They're all superstars, especially third, round three. Round four, you might be able to get four, maybe four or five of those guys are superstars. And then you start getting to the, you know, the next tier of not superstar but really close. But when you get into round six, seven, eight, nine, you know, all those rounds, you're filling out the rest of your roster. Just pick teams that are have big players that are on really good offenses, and it's that simple. You know what I mean? You will you will win your fantasy leagues because of that strategy, and then from round ten on, just go for home runs. Just go for guys that could be really good or take the job or you know whatever the case may be. You know in, in those later rounds. But as soon as you have your core, you know what I mean, your core really good players, then start going for home runs, and that that is the strategy that you want to use for fantasy football to win. In the fifth round, Kev. There is a couple guys here. So for me, it's really hard. I'm actually going to pick two in this round because to me, round five and six are, are I really like some of these guys. So the first one, I'll, I'll just name them both and then we can both talk about them because I, I know one of them is going to be one of yours. So OJ Haller, Howard and Tyler Boyd for me on this list. Very easy. These guys could be home runs, boys, ladies and gentlemen. This could be, these two guys could be really good. Tyler Boyd is in an offense where you know he's going to be the number one guy for the first couple of weeks. And even after that, this offensive line is terrible. And he, you know, he plays in the slot. He moves around. You saw last year how good he was. And, you know, I know people were like, oh, yeah, he wasn't that good when A.J. Green wasn't there. He had Jeff Driscoll throwing to him for most of that time. People do not realize that he had two games with Andy Dalton and the other four were with Jeff, Jeff or five were with Jeff Driscoll as his quarterback when Andy Reid was out or when AJ Green was out. Exactly. So, you know, people are going off phantom, you know, you're basically going off your backup quarterback there. And, you know, it's just, it's an unreasonable way to, to, you know, monitor his production. Exactly. And my thing is uh, like, you guys don't have the time. Most of you guys don't have the time to watch the tape, but I did. I watched the tape last year. Jeff Driscoll sucks. He is like, and I don't like saying that about players, but he's not good. Okay? Bad. Bad is the only way to explain it. And the offensive line wasn't good either last year. So Jeff Driscoll throwing on the ball does not say anything to me. You know what I mean? He looked good last year. He he broke out last year. You know what I mean? Regardless of how you might feel. He broke out last year, showed how great of a, of, a, of a wide receiver he could be, and he could be really good this year. O.J. Howard is on a Bruce Arians offense that's super high-powered. You know, they have just weapons in everywhere except the running back position. And honestly, in a Bruce Arians offense, I don't feel like they need the running back all that much. I feel like he is going to let Jameis be Jameis, and I think these guys are going to get open for Jameis. And 
I don't give a damn what anybody says. You're not you're not guarding Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and OJ Howard. You know I mean you're just not you're not able to guard all those guys. There's just too much speed on the field. You know, Godwin is great at getting open, you know, and and Evans is a threat to score on every, you know, literally every play. So, you know, it's I just think OJ Howard has a lot of upside. Yeah, uh, I just talked about Tevin Coleman a little bit. Tyler Boyd was definitely one of my guys. I've been saying, like, you know, now everybody who comes from – I was talking about this with one of my friends earlier. When you, you know, you get a lot of um, olive branches from coaching staffs, and I've been preaching about this one a lot, that the Rams offense, which is where Zach Taylor is from, targets the slot receiver in the red zone a lot. And that is Tyler Boyd's position. And I just think that this year, if they get in, once they get into the red zone, he's going to be heavily targeted. They do got AJ Green coming back in probably week four or five, where, you know, he'll be a guy you can probably lob the ball up to. But like I said, I think, I think Tyler Boyd is going to see a good amount of red zone uh, work. And, you know, I think he, he does a really good job of getting open. If you saw a watch last year, you know, he's, you know, he's a shifty guy that's able to use some of his size. He's pretty tall for a slot receiver. And, you know, I, I liked what I saw from him last year. And I think that he, you know, could repeat that or do even better this year. Um, like I said, Tevin Coleman, I've talked about enough. I, you know, I think that he can break out this year. And, you know, definitely, I think he could finish in the top 10. I really do. If he stays healthy for a whole year, you know, in that system, you saw what Matt Breda did, and I think Tevin Coleman is a much better football player. So, to me, I think if he stays healthy all year, Tevin Coleman could wind up being a guy that breaks the top 12, top 15, you know, barring how much work they give him. I mean, it seemed like they probably are going to go a little more committee, um, probably especially when McKinnon gets back. I could see him doing it, but, you know, uh, another guy I'm actually surprised you didn't bring up was Miles Sanders because just because of how you, you know, have basically been preaching about him. But the one thing keeping this from happening is obviously the, the Eagles, you know, uh, I guess mindset on committee and, and staying, standing firm on that. But, you know, Miles Sanders to me is clearly the best running back and I'm, I'm a Jordan Howard fan. Okay. I actually really like Jordan Howard, but to me, I think Miles Sanders is clearly the best running back. And if he's showing the ability to, you know, do the same things that Howard can do, which is basically get, you know, do, you know, perform in the short yardage. Um, I, I can see him kind of being taking a bell cow role. And if he takes a bell cow role, you know, he will be a beast. Miles Sanders will be a monster. Yeah, I agree. So um, I. I'm going to do it. I'm going to put my stamp of approval on this dude. Miles Sanders is going to win you fantasy football championships this year. I'm just going to say it now. He is going to be a player that wins people their fantasy leagues. And I, and okay, so this is my rationale so that you guys hear me say it and then understand why I'm saying it. So Jay Ajayi last year, when healthy, had 14 touches a game, right? Mm-hmm. Miles Sanders is way better than Jay Ajayi. I don't think it's close. I, I honestly don't think, especially last year, I didn't think J.H.I. looked good at all last, at any point last year. Not at all. Yeah. So if you're going to give that guy 14 touches, I could 100% see 
100% see Miles getting 17 touches a game, which is only three more than what, you know, what uh, he was getting last year. And with that, with 17 touches a game, this dude is a top 15 running back, and you're getting him in almost round six. Like, to me, if you can start your team off with, let's say, let's say you have like a, Oh, man, let's say you pick, you know, Saquon. You pick Saquon, you come back, you get two stud wide receivers. In the in the fourth round, you take, you know, one of the tight ends because they, you know, fall a little bit, which I've seen a lot happening. You know, Zach Ertz, something like that. And then you get Miles in your in your fifth or sixth round. I'm telling you, I, I he could be – you could be really, really happy and win your fantasy league because of that. Like – I just I love this kid. I really think that he's going to be big for people this year, and I really think he's going to win you your fantasy league. All right, sixth round. Sixth round. So there's a couple in the sixth round which I find a little bit difficult to pick in this round, but the two names that stuck out to me, and I know Kev's not going to agree with one of them, but Christian Kirk. I know Kev will agree. Um, you know, Christian Kirk, we've been toting him all year. I think Christian Kirk is due for uh, that breakout season. And I said, I, within the next three years, he's going to be a top 12 wide receiver being drafted that way. Cause I just think he, you know, his get off from the line of scrimmage, his ability to, you know, catch the ball and run after the catch, you know, all those things that you want in your wide receiver, I think he can do. And I believe that he's going to be Kyler Murray's, if not his favorite target, his second favorite target. And in this air raid system, I think he's going to have a big year. And the other guy is Allen Robinson. And I mean, I know Kev's not going to agree, but I think Allen Robinson is going to be a low end wide receiver too. You know, he's not being drafted that way. He's being drafted as a mid round, you know, mid wide receiver three. And I just think in this offense, you know, I think he has upside of scoring close to 10 touchdowns, and I think he is definitely going to be the most targeted guy. You know, Matt Nagy runs a Andy Reid system, and, you know, the ex-receiver on an Andy Reid system has big years, and this is his second year in that system. Coming off the second year of his ACL injury, I think he has a chance to be a steal in round seven. Yep. My guy in round six was Christian Kirk. Um, basically everything Steve said. And, you know, I'll just say that I think he's going to be in the slot. I think that this offense is going to be throwing a lot of short, quick passes. And with especially with that line, we talked about the line and what, it, what it's doing for, you know, David Johnson. It made me basically scared to take him in the first round, period. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think Christian Kirk is the going to – basically be the quickest to get open on that team. His footwork at the line of scrimmage is awesome. And, you know, I saw it last year. I, I've talked about it and kind of compared his footwork to Keenan Allen a little bit. And, you know, to me, you know, Christian Kirk is a great guy to gamble on. He, you know, he he's kind of crept his way up. When he first started doing mocks, I think he was like in the eighth round, and he's now going into the sixth round. So I think a lot of people starting to feel the same way. But, yeah, Christian Kirk was my guy in the sixth round for sure. Yep. So on to eight. round eight. Um, seven. Seven. Oh, seven. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, round seven. True. There's only one guy. Well, you got one guy. No, I'll yeah. go with the other guy. 
All right, you go first this time. Kevin. All right, I'll go with Curtis Samuel. Um, you know, I, he he's another guy that's just seriously jumped all the way up looking yeah. at this now because like this guy was going 12, in like round dude. 10. Yeah, he yeah. was going around 10, 11, 12 when we first started, and now he's up around seven. Um, you know, DJ Moore is going in round five, the end of round five, and, you know, we've been telling you, you know, Curtis Samuel, when they were on the field together, performed better. He get, definitely got in the end zone more. Um, DJ Moore became more of a PPR guy, whereas uh, Curtis Samuel, you know, did a lot of the same things and got in the end zone. So, yeah, to me, um, you know, if I'm picking one of Cam's receivers, um, I'm going with Curtis Samuel because I think he's going to have a better chance to break out out of the two. I agree. Um, Curtis Samuels, you know, last year we talked about this a little bit. You know, he had seven touchdowns. He only played in, what was it, seven seven games, Kev? I think it was. Uh, yeah, I think it was like seven. Yeah, so he played in seven games. He scored seven touchdowns. You know, you definitely could see near the red zone, you know, he was being looked at. Cam was, was 100% focusing in on, on him in the passing game. And, you know, I know there was no Greg Olson last year, you know, for a lot of those games. Um, but, you know, to me, he's definitely got breakout written all over him. I, you know, the Buffalo Bills are a very good defense. And in Bills camp, when the Panthers came, you know, for, you know, training, because they do, you know, the teams play against each other during the week, all the Bills corners were saying that this dude was just making pl- at least one highlight play every day in practice. And, you know, to me, uh, just a guy that really has a chance to break out this year and be very good. And- yeah, he actually played in 13 games and scored five touchdowns, but. I don't know how many of those games he actually played. played. played I got he you. was, you know. I got you. Um, so let's see here. I think I am going to go with Darius Geis. Ooh, I thought you were going to go Will Fuller. Yeah. You know what I mean? For, for me, Will Fuller, I've been talking. I talked about him enough. I kind of feel like, you know what I mean? He is. I don't feel like really he could be a breakout. I think. Everybody knows how talented he is. It's just the injury that's really stopping people from taking him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I will talk about Darius Geis, though. Darius Geis, um, to me, is a guy that on a very bad offense. But if he's healthy, the dude is an animal. You know what I mean? The offensive line, they, I'm hoping Trent goes back. but That's not happening. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. But still... If Darius Geis is healthy, he's going to get a lot of carries this year. You know, and they're going to ride him because they're going to need to. They're not going to have a chance. They're not going to have a choice. They're going to have to ride their best players, and Darius Geis is definitely one of their best players and a guy that I could see getting an outrageous workload if he is fully healthy. And we're going to find out this week. They're talking about they're going to give him, you know, some work and see how he he looks and feels. And, you know, Jay Gruden was saying the other day that if he does, you know, if he feels good, they're going to ride him the whole first half. They're going to see what he looks like. And I really hope they do that because if they do, you know, we will 100% get to see what this kid looks like. And if he looks healthy to me, I will be drafting him a lot. You're telling me because you know uh, I have him right now in our keeper league as a 12th round keeper. Mm-hmm. And I took a gamble on it. And I'm telling you right now, like, I- I'm really excited to see what he has to offer tomorrow because, you know, I this guy looked really good last year on the few runs that he had in the preseason, and if he can you know keep up with that and you know kind of you know 
make his way through into the NFL using those, the, you know, the same plays and same stats. And, you know, yeah, man, I think Darius Geis has the ability to just, you know, be a beast because he is a big running back that is quick and likes to inflict punishment. Definitely. So and we'll just end it in the eighth round. All right. Sounds good. All right, guys. So in the eighth round, I there's a couple of guys here that I actually really like. Um, uh, let me see. I will go with okay. So I'm going to put Dante Pettis in the in the eighth round because Dante Pettis is being picked at seven twelve, right mm-hmm. between Daryl Henderson and Dante Pettis. So he's going in the eighth round. Uh, Dante Pettis. I know you know we've heard you know things coming out of the 49ers camp that you know he has to work for his fight his starting job and blah, blah 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 that's not what i saw the other day the other day he got all the first team reps with jimmy garoppolo my fear is that jimmy garoppolo is shell-shocked from that knee injury and is just kind of feeling you know having feeling shadows kind of you know what i mean he's he's hearing footsteps he's getting nervous which is it was just understandable after you have an acl injury you don't want guys falling around your legs um but when Garoppolo gets right, and he will get right, you know what I mean? Eventually he's going to feel more comfortable in the pocket and, and all that stuff. Dante Pettis could be really, really good. You know what I mean? He showed last year that he was he had the ability to do things that nobody else on that offense really can do because, you know, to me, Chris Godwin, I mean, Goodwin is a deep threat, and that's it. Marquise Goodwin, yeah. Marquise Goodwin is, is you know, a – He's a deep threat, and he's he's really nothing else. You know, what I mean, he's showed nothing in his NFL career to make you think that he is a number one wide receiver. He and is Deshaun Jackson. Yes, he's that's, the fastest player in the NFL. Exactly. So Dante Pettis, I feel like, is out of the wide receiver position on that team. To me, I think it's going to be Debo. I don't even think you know Goodwin is going to be the guy, the number two. To me, I think it's going to be Debo and Dante. And, you know, I think both of them could be good in a Kyle Shanahan offense. And if Dante plays the X receiver, I told you guys already, the X receiver in a Kyle Shanahan offense is amazing. You know I mean, we all like the one guy that I always throw out there because I just I had him on my fantasy team that year and Pierre Garçon, Pierre Garçon, the year that the, the Redskins you know, had Kyle Shanahan as their offensive coordinator, caught 113 balls for 1,300 yards, and I think he had seven or eight touchdowns. He was amazing that year. He had an amazing year, and in a Kyle Shanahan system, the X receiver gets pelted. It, the Kyle Shanahan offense, guess what? Remember the 203 year that we talked about a couple weeks ago, Kev? That was yep. under Kyle Shanahan. Julio had a 203 target season. That's it. That's yeah. crazy. That's a crazy number, and had eighteen hundred and seventy three yards, I believe, receiving that year. Yep, dude. If 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 he's going to get a hundred and fifty targets, I want Dante Pettis on my team. Yeah, um, I'm not the biggest fan of Pettis. Uh, that's more of a wait and see guy for me. He's not a guy I've been been going, but I can definitely see breakout potential. Um, if he plays the way he did in those couple games last year, because there was a, a three, two, three, four game stretch last year where he was really, really good. Uh, my eighth round guys, I'm just going to throw two of them out. They are D.D. Westbrook and Geronimo Allison. Um, I love that they're throwing Geronimo in the slot. I do think that they're going to kind of mix him and Devontae Adams around right now. But I think, you know, kind of with the way this, the, the direction of the NFL, big slot receivers are kind of coming in a little bit. And I think Geronimo could really perform well in that in that 
you know, role for Green Bay. Um, you know, so to me, Geronimo is a guy that I like drafting around there. And D.D. Westbrook is another. Target's got to go somewhere in Jacksonville. And, you know, you're hearing a lot about D.J. Chark. But to me, D.D. Westbrook has been a playmaker, playmaker these first couple of years in the NFL. And he finally has a, a you know, uh, to me, a quarterback that can get him the ball safely. Um, Nick Foles may not be as, you know, as good as Blake Bortles. Eh, he, he's a good as Blake Bortles, but I'm trying to figure out the way to say this. Okay, Nick Foles is less, he's going to make less mistakes than Blake Bortles. That's what he's I'm much, saying. Much, much better. Know? <laughs> yes, yes, he's very definitely better. I did, I did, I had to bleep that whole section out. Nick Foles <laughs> won't be a damn Super Bowl, but uh, you know, but uh, you know, I, I don't think Nick is a great quarterback. I think he's a system quarterback, and he you know fit in very well with what we did here. When and you know, we basically changed the playbook for Nick when he got here and made it more of a read option thing. But um, you know, I do think Nick is very you know, very good with the football. I don't, he doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. He's very careful with picking his targets, which is completely opposite of Blake Bortles. And to me, I think DD Westbrook is the guy that's going to benefit from that. Yeah. And John Filippo was a, a, uh, one of the Eagles coordinators back in the day, you know, he, he was their quarterback coach, Yeah, quarterback coach. So, you know, he knows Nick Foles. He knows his his strengths and weaknesses. So I feel like he's going to put him in situations that are going to help him out. And Nick Foles, if you look to his numbers, I mean, he targeted the slot and the tight end a lot. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, he did it a lot. So I could definitely 100% see, you know, DD being really good. The one name that I do want to throw out there, it's not, you know, he's not even being drafted right now, is DJ Chark. So DJ Chark... uh He's like, I think he's six foot four. I'm pretty sure he's like six foot four, and he is fast as lightning. And one thing that Nick Foles does like to do is he does like yeah. to chuck it deep. <laughs> so, you know, just a name to, you know, keep in mind, you know, when you're drafting later on in that draft and you want to see, you know, throw a dart at somebody, I think DJ Chark is starting to, starting to hear some noise coming out of Jaguars camp about him. And uh, we got to listen to the noise because that's, that's what we do here. All right, so there's your breakouts. Uh, where are we at time-wise, Steve? Uh, 50 minutes. All right, cool. So we'll get into a little quarterback-wide receiver, well, quarterback-pass-catcher combinations because it's not always going to be, you know, it's going to be some tight ends probably in here. Um, you know, just guys to watch out for. And we're going to talk – we'll talk about – we'll go through the first, like, 10 or, you know, 12 quarterbacks. Um, Patrick Mahomes, you obviously have Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Um but to me, this is a very hard situation to wind up with because you've got to draft Mahomes in the third round. You're going to have to draft Kelsey or Hill in the second. You know, this is not my favorite combination to wind up with because just because of their values of where they got, you have to draft all those players. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think it's really hard on your football team, on your fantasy football team, when you have to take, you know, last year the reason why Patrick Mahomes won people so many championships because you got him in 11th round, 12th round. You know what I mean? Like he that's how late he was going. And if you took Tyreek Hill in the second or third round and then you took Travis Kelsey in the second or third round, you looked like a genius. But this yeah. year you have to take them in the second round and then take Mahomes in the third. And that is really rough. My father-in-law was, you know, you guys know the podcast listeners, 
uh, listener leagues know that in one of the leagues he took Kelsey and Hill and was trying to get Mahomes in the third. So to me, that's just crazy. I mean, if he doesn't throw 50 touchdowns again, you know, those guys will help you. They'll be very good for your fantasy team, but you know, you're, you're just handcuffing yourself to that team. And, and that's not a bad team to do that with, but I just feel like if one injury from that team happens, it's really going to hurt you bad, especially if Mahomes goes down. Mahomes goes down, you're in trouble. Yeah, and, and Kelsey's the harder one because you're basically going tight end quarterback in the first three rounds, and I, I just don't think that's a good way to start your draft. Yeah, you're going to be running um, at wide receiver, or wide receiver and running back. Yes. Um, Deshaun Watson. So to me, he, you know, you could team him up, pair him up with Hopkins or Fuller. Honestly, I think him and Fuller isn't a bad one to wind up with. Obviously, well, we've been talking about drafting, you know, Watson, uh, or we've talk, been talking about not really going high on quarterback, but there's sometimes where you get into that fifth round and you're looking and you're like, eh, do I really want to draft some of these guys that are here? And then you start looking at Watson and you're like, well, I could get Watson. He's could be the number one quarterback with all the talent around him if they all stay healthy. And, you know, I think it's definitely a good idea if you went with Hopkins in the first round because, you know, that's a great pair to have. And even with Will Fuller, you saw what, what Deshaun Watson and Will Fuller have looked like. If you're able to get Watson in the fifth and then Fuller in the seventh, I think that's pretty good tandem to wind up with. Definitely. I agree. Um, I actually was just going to bring this up while Kev was talking. I didn't get it up fully, but I'm pretty sure I looked this up maybe, um, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, and it was brought back up today. I was listening to a podcast, and I can't remember which one it was, but they had mentioned that how good Deshaun Watson was, you know, the year, you know, his rookie year. And uh, so I looked. Uh, you know, a couple weeks ago we were looking it up, and I believe he was like 1.3 fantasy points better than Patrick Mahomes was last year. And we all know how great Patrick Mahomes was last year. The dude had 50 touchdowns and all that. And yep. and Deshaun Watson, his rookie year was actually 1.3 points better per game, or per I think it was, yeah per game, which is insane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean that's that, insane. that his rookie year he was he was ridiculous. He was a freaking madden quarterback he was like a creative yeah. player you know what i mean in madden so yeah. to me he has that kind of upside you got to remember last year was the year after his acl so you know it's to me you got to take that into account you know what i mean and if he you know we talked about lamar jackson and how much upside he has you know deshaun watson has the same upside the dude could run for six seven eight hundred yards you know what i mean score 10 plus rushing touchdowns and throw for 35, 40 touchdowns. I don't think that's crazy. I really don't. I think he has that kind of ability as a quarterback. You know, we saw the way he throws the ball. If you watch the other preseason game the other day, you know, D hop D hop to me, after watching that second preseason game, he is the no brainer. Number one wide receiver. I just want him so bad because if you watch that red zone catch, like literally, you're talking about one of the better cornerbacks in the league guarding him, and he just beat him like a drum. It was literally yep. like, you know, a fake outside, smack your hands off me, yep. and, and touchdown. You know what I mean? It was it was awesome. <laughs> so yeah. th- that Deshaun could be very, very good. Yeah, which obviously the value of getting Hopkins 
and and Deshaun, you're you're then going to be a little bit weaker at running back if you yeah. do that, unless you go you know running back, running back, running back in the next three rounds. Yep. Um, but you know it doesn't really work out for you that way because once you get into like the fifth round, the running backs kind of start to tailor off, and you're going to wind up you know probably filling yourself out with another receiver. But yeah, you know. Um, and D Hop, and real quick, that um, Kev, the D Hop has only missed one game, and that one game yes. that he missed was he sat out <laughs> because yes. they didn't play in this week seventeen. That's one of the things I love about DeAndre Hopkins more than anything is he has a clean bill of health. Man, he does stay healthy, he, and he plays if he's hurt. He don't care. I mean, he co- he goes out there and plays. You don't have to worry about him like, yep. at all. All right, so next one would be Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, you would team him up with with Devontae Adams. I mean, you know, they got the other guys there, but none of those. The, Dramo, you know, I just talked about him, but him and MVS aren't really proven guys. So you would obviously, you know, pair him up with Devontae Adams. Um, this is one. This honestly, I, I haven't been higher with the, on uh, high on Aaron Rodgers. Very. I mean, I do have him as my number five quarterback. So. I guess it's not the the craziest thing in the world, but uh, I can't read that, Steve. Sorry, it's it's too blurry. Yeah, <laughs> um, real quick, uh, we have breaking news. Uh, Dyron Thompson has leapfrogged Carlos Hyde in the depth chart. He's been taking all the second team reps in in the in camp this week. Yeah, we, we just got done saying in the news. Carlos Hyde is probably going to get cut. Cut. Yeah, because he, you know. He he in an Andy Reid system you got to be able to catch the ball and if you can't or not good at catching the ball out of the backfield you are you know not very useful to him so you know uh, it doesn't spell good things for Carlos Hyde um, but yeah I, I haven't really been the highest on Aaron Rodgers and you know but I, I mean I haven't been number four or five quarterback he's number three quarterback being drafted but I love Devontae Adams I absolutely love Devontae Adams and to me. You know, this is a very good te- a pair to get. Um, you know, I, I actually I actually got this in an auction league we did. I actually, you know, spent up on Rodgers just so I can pair them up because the Adams just gets so much love in the red zone. This is a guy that can score 16 touchdowns easily. And, you know, when you got touchdown upside, like that's what this quarterback wide receiver combination is for, is for the touchdowns. So when you get a guy that can score 15, 16 touchdowns, that quarterback wide receiver combo is a great combination to have. Yeah, definitely. Aaron Rodgers. And this is one thing we we kind of haven't mentioned about A-Rod. A-Rod is like if there's one thing I can say about Aaron Rodgers is that dude listens to the media. Like he is one of those dudes that when you talk trash about the Green Bay Packers, he hears it and he will come back to the media and be like, you know, like the whole we guys all remember a couple of years ago he was like uh, you know, uh stay calm or whatever the hell he said r-e-l-a-f yeah relax you know what i mean like he listens to the media and he's heard all the stuff that you know everybody's saying about him not being the best quarterback in the nfl and everything he could come out and be like you know what (laughs) i'm gonna throw for 50 touchdowns this year or i'm gonna damn sure try you know what i mean so and he's one of those dudes he thinks he's the best quarterback in the nfl and i don't i don't argue with him i mean i talent wise it's hard to say that he's not you know what i mean um, arm talent wise, it's hard to say that he's not, but I, I don't know that that's a pairing that I would love to have. I, you know what I mean? Like if, especially if Aaron drops, you know, if you're in a league that the guys hold off on quarterback and he drops into the sixth, seventh round, I would love to have, you know, 
Devontae and then and then have Aaron. Aaron Rodgers, you know, as my quarterback. That would be great. Yep. All right. So you got Baker Mayfield with, you know, Odell or Jarvis. Probably more Odell. Jarvis is not going to be Jarvis is more PPR than touchdown. Um, this is another really good combination to get. Um, obviously I haven't been big on yeah, not necessarily big on Baker. I think Baker could be good, but I've been saying, like, if I'm going to draft a guy this this high, I want a guy that I know has done it before. And Baker, even last year, was, you know, he was good, but he wasn't, you know, number four quarterback. So uh, mm-hmm. for me, this is this is probably a combination I'm staying away from just because I'm not going to be drafting Baker. Um, Odell kind of scares me a little bit, too, because he's injured a lot. But, you know, if these two stay healthy and and – you know, the hype is real. Like, the hype is there. If these two live up to the hype, if this team lives up to the hype, this could be the best quarterback wide receiver pair there is because there's a lot of hype around that Cleveland Browns offense. You're not lying. And if you look at the ADP of Baker Mayfield, he is the fourth quarterback coming off the board. Um, you know, I completely agree with Kev. He's, he's coming off at pick 605, which is – that's real high. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's real high. I'm not, I don't feel, you know, I don't, I, and I'm a risky dude. I'm a guy that's like loves risk and I don't have the cojones to, uh, to mess around and take Baker Mayfield in the sixth round. I just, I'm not, nah. I'm not going to do it. So, you know, if you that's feel a pick that could, that, that's a pick that could really cost you your league, honestly. Yeah, it really Because you're missing out a lot of guys in that sixth round that could potentially, you know, guys that we just talked about and, you know, you're getting a quarterback there, and, and Baker doesn't pan out. You know, exactly. They're going to run the ball a lot too. Yeah, Let's not forget Nick Chubb is Nick Chubb is a beast of yes. a running. So yes. they're they're definitely going to run the ball a lot. And that's the thing. If you look at their run pass splits when they had the lead last year, it was like outrageous. I want to say it was something like sixty eight percent run to pass. Like it was. It really, really flipped. Like when they were behind in games, obviously Baker Mayfield was throwing the ball a lot because you're behind. So I mean, that's not that's not something that that is whatever. But if this offense is as good as everybody says it's going to be, and you know I agree, I think this offense is going to be good. If you believe that, right, and you think this could be a let's say 27 point per game, you know, team. Let's mm-hmm. say anywhere from 25 to 27 points per game team, right? Mm-hmm. Chubb is going to be getting a whole lot of carries, and it wouldn't surprise oh, me yeah. if he was the number one, you know, running back at the end of the season. It wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me at all. But you know, you have to take into account if they if they are scoring that much, they are going to outscore a whole bunch of teams. They're going to be in the lead in a lot of games, and Nick Chubb is going to be seeing a whole lot of carries, and Baker Mayfield probably not going to be throwing the ball late in the game. So you know, what makes and this is the other thing about Deshaun Watson, like. Deshaun, and I, I don't mean to break it off and go back to what we were talking about, but Deshaun Watson, is his schedule is way harder than the Cleveland Browns. They have, like, one of the toughest schedules in the league. So if they're going to be in competitive games, Deshaun Watson is definitely a guy that I would take because he's going to be in competitive games, going to be needing to throw. If Baker Mayfield is blowing teams out, if they're blowing teams out, Baker Mayfield ain't going to be throwing. So I'm not taking him there. And, you know, I love Odell Beckham and the pairing, but I'm not taking that in the sixth. You know what I mean? That's, that's just insane. Yeah, I 100% agree. This is too 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 risky to, for me. Um, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones. Um, you obviously oh, could go yeah. Calvin Ridley, but you know, uh, for better value, you could go with Ridley. But you know, to no, me, no, don't do it. 
the one, the, well, you know, the, the Matt Ryan and Julio to me is one of the best values you can get at for a quarterback wide receiver. Um, we've been preaching against, not really preaching against, but we've been haven't been as high on Matt Ryan, uh, probably because it's you know that off year, you know the all and off splits he's had, and it's real, you know, y'all. it's real, yeah. But uh, I mean, Julio Jones to me is the best receiver in the NFL, and all it's going to take is him to get a double digit touchdown season for him to be the number one wide receiver, bar none. So if that season is this year, that Matt Ryan Julio Jones combo to me is one of the best you can grab. Mm, I 100% agree. And this is this is the thing guys and this is kind of what I was talking about with Matt Ryan the on off. I am going to do a breakdown so you guys understand what I'm saying. So I do not think that Matt Ryan is going to have a terrible season. Matt Ryan has not thrown for less than 4,000 yards since 2010. Since 2010, Matt Ryan has thrown for at least 4,000 yards in every season. So in 2011, he threw – in 2010, he threw for 3,705, right? Had 28 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Very good year, you know, considering touchdown-to-interception ratio. The next year, 41-77 and 29, 47-19 and 32, 45-15 and, and 26. He had 46-94 and 28. So – and this is where the on-off starts to happen. You know, 45-91, 21 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. And in those years, he had 12, 14, 17, 14, and then, you know, back to that year, 16 interceptions, right? Then this very next year, his MVP season, he had 494, or four, not 4,944 yards, 38 touchdowns, and 7 interceptions. The next year, 4,095 yards, 20 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Last year, 4,924 yards, 35 touchdowns, and 7 interceptions. So it's the touchdowns that go down vastly. They drop a lot. You know what I mean? From year you know, 12 to 13, they drop by 6. You know, then they went up to 28, then they dropped to 21, dropped another seven. You know what I mean? Then they dropped, went up to 38 and then dropped by 18. You know what I mean? Like he just, they, when he drops touchdowns, it do, it's not like a, a couple. It's a lot. 10 plus. You know what I mean? That's a lot. So, uh, you know, I just, I like Matt Ryan, but he's going in the seventh round and I'm not taking him there. But I do like that pairing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean the, the, the that that's kind of the 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 situation with the Ryan and, and Julio thing is that this is kind of one of those years where you know could be off year and to me if Devontae Freeman stays healthy it definitely could be that sign because to you know they're going to run the ball a little bit with Freeman um, Carson Wentz uh, obviously you can go Alshon or Zach Ertz this is another really good pairing because of the values mm-hmm. you know you can get Ertz in the third you can get Alshon in the sixth you can get you know, Carson in the seventh, you know, that's the value. The value is, is some of the best with these guys because Ertz could very well be the number two tight end. Carson could be the number one, number two quarterback. And, you know, they have double digit upside touchdown, you know, double digit touchdown upside. So, you know, that's the key with that is, you know, making sure these guys are scoring touchdowns. Exactly. And, and Alshon could be a, Double-digit touchdown guy, 100%. He's he's a very good player. Absolutely. So, 
um, the pairing that I actually, I, of all the ones that we've talked about that I really uh, think I like a lot is Cam because he's going late and then pairing him with either one of those wide receivers because I do think they're going to be good. And I know we've been saying that, uh, you know, DJ Moore is the guy we don't want, but now finally, after we've been toting them for so long, DJ Moore is starting to move up. I mean, uh, uh, what's his name? Curtis, uh, Curtis Samuel is starting to move up. So their, their draft stock is very close. So DJ, I think, is going the end of round six, you know, and now Samuel is going mid-round seven. So yep. they're very close now. So I wouldn't mind having Cam and either one of those guys. I think that's a really good pairing this year. Uh, I think both of those guys could be very, very productive this year. And that's that's a pairing that I wouldn't mind having because I, you know, round 8, 9, 10, 11 is kind of where I'm taking my quarterback. So if I can get Cam paired with either one of those guys, I like it. Yeah. Um, to me, another good one is, is Luck and T.Y. I mean, T.Y. is not the biggest touchdown monster, but – I mean, to me, you know, getting luck with one of those receivers, luck is in, you know, eighth-round pick right now. He's the number eight quarterback. That's where he's dropped to. So, you know, I think he's playing from week one. I think they have a plan for him. I think they're ready to, you know, he's going to be ready week one. He's not a guy that I'm worried about injury-wise. So, you know, pairing luck in T.Y., luck in, you know, even Luck and Ebron, Luck and, and Jack Doyle, you know, to me, those are good combinations to grab because, you know, Luck throws a shit ton of touchdowns and, you know, they're going to go to those guys. I agree. I uh, definitely agree. You know, you got Drew Brees and Michael Thomas. You know, we haven't been the highest on Drew Brees. And, and you know, last year he did not throw for 4,000 yards. First time in a long time. And, yeah. you know, to me, they're just going to use the running game a little bit more. Latavius Murray is not really what Mark Ingram is. He's definitely more of a running back than than you know a pass catcher out of the backfield. So, you know, to me, I think that the the Breeze and Michael Thomas thing, I do think it's a good one, but you know, just not not really high on Breeze. I'd rather take Cam or you know some of the other quarterbacks there. Definitely, I agree. Yeah, and Drew Brees hasn't thrown for less than 4,000 yards since uh, 2005. <laughs> yes. So just so you guys know how great that guy's been. The dude had – this is insane, Kev. This dude had three consecutive seasons of 5,000 yards passing. Like that's, that's nuts. He is, to me, the greatest fantasy quarterback maybe ever. I know Peyton Manning is, is up there, but between those two guys – I don't know. I might take Breeze. The dude had fun. Oh, it's true. Yeah. Fantasy? Fantasy. It's true. Dude, Drew has been amazing. So I'm not going to say that Drew Breeze can't finish in the top eight because he definitely could. But last year made me a little bit nervous, and I'm probably not going to be drafting too much Drew. But he, he could prove me wrong and be, like, in crazy awesome. Um, right. so, I'm just oh, – okay, okay, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Russell no, Wilson. I was just going to say – yeah, I was just going to say, we'll throw a couple more out there. We really don't have to get into them. Just throw maybe like two or three more out there. and Yeah. You know. Yeah, Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett. I, I mean, I've been telling you guys, you know, and I'm coming around on Russell Wilson. So, and the reason I'm coming around on Russell Wilson, and I am going to start putting him into my top 12, that defense is terrible. <laughs> like, <laughs> have you seen them in the preseason? They are bad. They're really – like, we are not used to seeing bad Seahawks defenses – 
But if you watch that last preseason game, they couldn't stop a nosebleed. And I know they have lost, like, all of their good players, but I thought, you know, they would be able to come around and get some, you know, young talent playing well. And I know Bobby Wagner didn't play in the last game, so that makes a huge difference. But if, if their corners are going to play like they've been playing this preseason – Woo! Russell Wilson gonna have to throw the ball. There ain't no question. <laughs> there is no question in my mind that if they play the way they've been playing, he's gonna have to throw. So Russell Wilson, it will be in my top twelve very shortly. All right, yeah, Russell and Tyler Lockett, I think, is a really good one. Um, Jared Goff and any of those receivers is another is good. You know, all those receivers are good values. They have th- they're all I think. Cooks and Woods are pretty much fourth round picks. I'm not, you know, is Woods Woods a, or is Cooks a, a third round or a fourth round? Cooks is a fourth round. Yeah, Cooks and Woods are actually going back to back in the fourth round. Cooper Cup is the last pick in the fourth round, so they're all fourth round picks. You get, you know, one of those guys in the fourth round. You get Jared Goff in the ninth round. I think they're all, you know, that's a really any of those is good. Um, some later ones you could probably throw out. Jameis and Mike Evans, I think, is Love an outstanding. It. <laughs> Yeah, that's an outstanding one. Um, ben and Juju, um, you know, to me, Juju hasn't really shown to be a big touchdown guy, but, you know, with Antonio not there, that could definitely increase. Um, uh, you know, Phillip Rivers, Keenan Allen, that's another one. It's not really a touchdown guy, but, you know, to me, you know, Phillip Rivers, Mike Williams, that's not a bad one to take a chance on because uh, Mike Williams – caught a lot of touchdown passes last year Mm -hmm. and if you want to take them take it even later you could say Dak and Amari Cooper you can say Kirk Cousins and you know Thielen or Diggs Big Ben and Juju Uh, who's that Big Ben and Juju Uh, I said Big Ben and Juju I was saying he's not really the biggest touchdown guy but no but with Antonio not there yeah when Antonio not there you know that that could definitely increase um you know Derek Carr Antonio Brown, you know, not not really being Antonio or uh, Derek Carr is not really. He's been drafted in the in the fourteenth round, basically as a second quarterback. But you know, yep. If yeah, Josh yeah. Allen plays well this season, you know, John Brown could be really good. He's just airing that. He's just gonna be putting <laughs> it up, and John Brown can get deep, boy. So you know, not a pairing that I would say go with. You know, from Jump Street, but. You know, if you take Josh Allen as your number two quarterback, which I really like, and then just take John Brown literally as your, like, second to last pick, you know what I mean? That pairing could end up paying off for you, especially if if, if Josh Allen starts, you know, showing that he's a consistent quarterback every single week and he can show you that he's a top 12 guy. Yeah, I mean, that might be a pairing that, you know, you could put John Brown in your in your flex position, and if he's just – having a dominant season last year he was on pace we broke it down for you you know what was it, a couple like maybe a month ago that mm-hmm. if john brown stayed on the pace that he started the season off with i think he was on a, like a 1200 yard yeah uh, it was know, somewhere yeah 1200 yard nine more jackson season. got in there he he went downhill yeah it was like 12 almost 1200 yards and i think nine touchdowns which is awesome and you're getting him in round like 13 yep Yep. I mean, you got Matthew Stafford and Galladay or, or Marvin Jones. Um, you know, those are some of the, 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 you know, QB wide receiver combinations you can go out and draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, we gave you some of our favorites. My, my, my favorite one is probably Jameis and Mike Evans. Yeah. Uh, I, I really like that pairing. Um, I've been high on Jameis. I've been telling you guys that I think with Arians there, it's going to really help Jameis out. 
And Mike Evans to me, Mike Evans might be my favorite wide receiver. Uh, I I love my just as, as a player. I love Mike Mike Evans. He's another guy that stays on the field. He's healthy a lot. Mm-hmm. He is a beast of a human being. He knows how to go up and get the ball. And you know, I, I just love watching Mike Evans play. Yeah, my favorite probably is going to be Deshaun Watson and uh, and uh, Hopkins. To me, like I said, I think those team those two could be amazing this year. I think. Honestly, I know D-Hop has been amazing the past couple of years, but this could be the season where we go D-Hop is hands down the best best wide receiver in football. I, I really could see that season happening this year. Yep. All right, guys, so there it is. That's the podcast for tonight. Uh, remember, don't forget to check us out on the website at www.4thandinchesff.com. That is number 4 thn inchesff.com for a bunch of content, articles, blogs, player profiles, and you can subscribe to our draft guide. And until next time, peace out, guys. Peace.